schadenfreude everybody must have screamed ah he's a sung hero little pushy pushy are you back from listening to stairway to heaven twice now those are just words i looked up on the internet unreasonable doubt a podcast about west virginia university basketball starts now hello from the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt, and I was not doing this podcast last week. Mentioned it on Twitter, but if you aren't on the Twitter machine, uh, the Basketball Podcast Network closed its doors at the end of March. And it was a very fun ride with the Basketball Podcast Network for almost two years and enjoyed the opportunity there and wish all of the podcasters involved with the network uh, the best in their future endeavors. Uh, But with that chapter closing, another chapter is opened. I'm partnering with the Smoking Musket. WVU page, a webpage. Uh, Great guys, excited for the opportunity to work with WVU people. So big thanks to Joel and Michael and the rest of the Smoking Musket team. If you don't already, check out smokingmusket.com. Follow the Smoking Musket on Twitter at Smoking Musket. How does that affect the podcast? It's not going to affect it at all. I'm still going to be in my laundry room staring at my two cats while I'm talking into a microphone. Same sitch. Um, Maybe less ads, which may be a good thing, uh, but hopefully that's not a long-term thing. We'll see how that goes. More news as I get that, but excited to share that and excited to share this, that my first guest in the offseason is Ethan Bach. And you know Ethan Bach, and I know Ethan Bach, and you love Ethan Bach, and I love Ethan Bach. And we talked on Tuesday, April 11th, and things are moving fast. So just in a couple of days, there's more WBU updates to share before I get into this conversation. Trey Mitchell announced he'll be back in the old gold and blue next season for his final year of eligibility. So Trey Mitchell's back, and uh, Joe Toussaint announced that he's back. And so that's very exciting news. Also, when we talk about this in the conversation, the Syracuse Center, Jesse Edwards, he gave his top three list for destinations. He gave it to on3.com. It's Gonzaga. You heard of them? It's Kansas. You heard of them? And it's West Virginia. So that is a that's a wild top three. The good news is that Edwards is visiting Morgantown first. And we can talk about that in the offseason. We can talk about whatever's happened up to this point so far. Just so much has happened <laughs> since the Cami Awards. And we have plenty of time to get into that. But let's stop this part and get to my conversation with Ethan Bach. He covers WVU basketball for WV Sports Now. He's a basketball recruiting analyst for the Portal Report. He was the runner-up in the first annual WVU Twitter National Championship. 
He went through six rounds and got to the finals. Ethan Bach, welcome back to Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Thank you for having me on, Josh. Um, I'm I'm sad I was runner up, but hey, what a run that was! Now, who were you runner up to? I don't I don't remember. Smoking musket. Oh wow! Oh. So, that's a great nod. Okay, I did not. And and I'm working with the smoking musket guys now, so that was a great. You thank you for bringing that for reminding everybody. Not that they won, but that this podcast is now affiliated. Under the umbrella of smoking musket, I'm very excited about that. That's not why I have you here to to rub your nose in that, which is and it's all fun. And I didn't even make the tournament. So portal portal report, man, wear your portal report hat, because I want to ask you some hard hitting questions about a guy goes into the transfer portal, any guy. And then you and people that report on this get the list right the i've heard from list that varies in size it can be seven schools it can be over a hundred schools and so i want to dig down on this maybe you have answers maybe you don't on this does the order of the schools on the list mean anything when it's put out it depends on the player so what will happen is we'll contact the player either through dm or have their phone number and they'll send, we'll just say, hey, who's, what schools have reached out or contacted you? Everybody loves those lists. Like, it's it's very simple. Like, it's there's nothing complex about it, but fans love cleaning, clinging to those lists. So um, the, uh, the player will tell us in order what schools have reached out to them. Sometimes we'll be chronological just off of who hit them up first. or And then sometimes we'll prioritize. Sometimes you'll notice that it'll be based power five schools first. And then the mid majors and the low majors, et cetera. So, yeah. If you don't ask those questions, you kind of decipher like we do as far as what what the order is. It could have just been, all right, who have I who have I been contacted, and they make that list, and that's what it is. Yeah, don't read don't read into too much into it. It's it's too it's, late for that, Ethan. We're already <laughs> doing it, but that's a good. That's probably the the easiest and makes most sense answer is that it's just what, however they give it to you. That's how you reported let me ask you this does the size of the list mean anything it depends because then you'll have a d like the d2 kid uh pierre uh he had 120 schools d1 reach out to him which include like memphis duke k-state like big big names i mean so it, it just depends on the i think it just depends on the talent of the player it doesn't matter which level of play he's coming from like that kid that kid from D2, he could play power five and he's playing at Memphis next year in the American conference. So it's not power five, but he had power five interests. So it just depends on the player's talent. He had a third of division one <laughs> reach out to him, which is insane. And I'm sure he left a couple out. Uh, so that's going to vary. And I'm sure it depends. Uh, it, it depends. I want a firm answer, but I know that I can't get a firm answer on these. Let me ask you this coaches and recruiting co- coordinators. They see the list. What do they learn from the list? Are they parsing it like fans do? Are they looking for specific things? Is it like, okay, that school's involved, so we need to get involved? How do you think they take the list, and, and what do they do with that information? I think, again, it just depends on the coach because we've had some coaches reach out and say, hey, what does this kid think about this school? Or they'll ask, what does this kid think about our school? Um, it's just, we're basically playing as a third party between players and coaches 
uh, on a telephone. So um, I think some coaches look into it like the fans do, but I also think there are coaches that basically invest in their own program and their own beliefs and they, they don't give, they don't give a crap who who's on that list. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just wonder you've got the coach's perspective, obviously what the player wants to put out. And then finally you talked about it. Fans love the lists. What should we take from the list? When we see specifically, let's say West Virginia is on the list, but it's just, you know, they just announced they're in the portal. A day later, they give out the list that makes it online. What as a fan should you do with that list besides just, oh, we reached out to them, which it feels like that's as far as I go with it. Is there anything else I should take from that? The initial list? Like, yeah, just the initial list. Right, what do, right away. As a fan, what do you do with that? You pay attention to the initial list. Okay. Those are the schools that are way ahead of the curve on everybody else. Because in the portal, if you're not it, – it, it's almost like if you don't know a kid's entering the portal, like the coach's fraternity, they, they're all competitive on the court. But at the same time, they're going to help each other off the court. So once you hear – once they hear rumors of a kid entering the portal and he's not officially in, I mean, there's coaches all over the country trying to contact this kid, not tampering, but waiting until he enters the portal officially uh, through their compliance system. So if you're not – if you're not contacting this kid within hours of him entering the portal, you're behind and you're honestly probably not getting him. There are, there are chances where you can contact late and they'll have interest, but it's you're way behind the curve. If you contact late speed is, is a big deal. And that it gets, if you make that list, what that tells you as a fan is they've got in early. Doesn't mean that they're going to get the guy, but they've given themselves a good shot in comparison to being late, as you put it. Yeah, you'll have you'll have all these programs contact. I mean, these kids' phones are blowing up with every school after them, especially if you're a Power Five player. Um, so, just to be on that initial contact list and kind of get that wave out of the way, because at some point that kid is going to go. Well, this school's this school called me, but like I don't care because I have all these other schools that are already contacting me. Right. Totally makes sense. Uh, see, if and people had those questions, and that's why I'm here to ask the hard-hitting questions. So let's get to WVU. And today we're recording on Tuesday, April 11th, and you've been busy with WVU news in the transfer portal. You've reported a couple of guys are visiting Morgantown soon. This is coming out on Friday, but give us a scoop now. If, if somebody's been uh, Rip Van Winkle for the last three days and they wake up and listen to this on Friday – Who's coming to Morgantown? Yeah, so big big names coming up. Um, first, Jesse Edwards from Syracuse. He'll he will be in Morgantown as this episode releases. Um, he'll be in Morgantown throughout the weekend till Sunday. And as soon as he leaves, Iowa State transfer. West Virginia fans will be familiar with him. Caleb Grill. He'll be arriving Sunday, leaving Tuesday. And then John Hughley from Pitt, another name West Virginia fans will be familiar with, will be in town for spring weekend, spring game weekend next week. I mean, Huggins is super busy in the portal. Jay Koontz, the coaching staff. And so a lot of activity. Jose Perez is the host for those two guys, correct? Yep. So yep. he goes from sitting all year to being the lead. And he was the lead for the Arizona guard, right? Yep. Yep. He hosted Kirk Kreisha. Yep. He's so, one for one. He's just, he's a hundred percent successful. <laughs> well, that's encouraging. I don't know right now if there's enough spots, but I'm sure more musical chairs are going to happen on the roster. But before we get to that, 
Let's talk about this last season, Ethan. We watched the whole season. You went to Portland. You went to you went to Kansas City, right? Yeah. For the Big Twelve tournament. So yeah. you watch this team from first game to the end of the year. They make the NCAA tournament with a seven and eleven record in the Big Twelve. They lose in the first round, coming off of a losing season. Did Bob Huggins fix it this year? Short answer: Yes. Um, the long answer, I know West Virginia basketball, the standard shouldn't be to just to make the tournament. Um, I think everybody understands that it's a, it's a top 30, 35 program in the country all time. So, um, the standard should always be making second weekend in the NCAA tournament. But when you factor in at this time last year, all they had was Katie Johnson and the returning freshmen like Seth Wilson, Kobe Johnson, they had that loyalty picture of like these five guys stuck around, and that was the roster. That was the roster. They have five guys. I I don't care. I don't care if it's Bob Huggins or if it's a high school assistant who's starting his first year. I that's impressive. Like to be able to bring in Stevenson, Mitchell, Toussaint, um, Jukos, Emmett Matthews too bringing in all these guys, you have nine new players and you at one point are sitting with 15 wins in the middle of February and you still make the tournament. That's impressive. I don't care if they lost first round short, like short answer. Yeah. It, he fixed it. Um, let's see, let's see next season if they can take that next step. Cause that's, that's the key to me is if they can take that next step and be top 25, the entire season and compete at the top of the big 12, that that's the next step for me. And it was a roller coaster ride to get to the NCAA tournament. And it included firing your associate head coach after starting what 0 and 4 and 5 in the Big 12. Could you tell a change, Ethan, in the coaching staff and in the vibe in the locker room once that change was made, removing Larry Harrison, adding DeMar Johnson? Could you tell any difference in following the team as far as this is how? it felt like before and then after the coaching change, or is it just business as usual and and that stuff just happened? No, I definitely think there's a new vibe within the program. Definitely a younger um, kind of more enthusiastic vibe. Larry Harrison, he, he had a, he had a great career. Like we're not taking anything away from that. He's, he was a great assistant for 15 years under hugs. Um, and even going back to his days at Cincinnati. So like I'm not taking anything away from Coach Harrison. He's a great coach. It's just it it's 2023. It's time. It's Dermar Johnson. I've seen him develop the guards. He helped out with Eric and Joe and Jose now. So um definitely a different vibe, a younger vibe. And I feel like I feel like the coaching staff, especially on the recruiting side, can collaborate as one. And there's no like issue. They're just recruiting in a smooth flow, just as one team as a staff. So yeah, definitely a younger, more enthusiastic vibe. And you, and you say that, Ethan, is that different than what was happening, let's say, in the recruiting cycle last year? Is that a change? Yeah, I think a little bit because they're taking that next step. You know, like I like I said, I think Stevenson, Matthews, Mitchell, Toussaint were great pickups last year. But then you see, like, they also added in Juco kids. They're not targeting any Juco's currently. So, um, when you only have hugs as the pro Juco guy, like left, um, it's they're built, they're basically building throughout the entire transfer portal. And I know they don't have any high school kids coming in this year, but 
they're already targeting 2024, 25, 26 kids. So um, I think the plan is just build through the portal and then recruit the top kids in each high school class. That makes sense. And it definitely is a change. You definitely see a shift in their focus as far as who they're looking for recruiting wise. And so the new guy so far, we talked about Jose Perez, uh, lead recruiter, Jose Perez, Omar Saverio, pending a waiver, and the Arizona point guard, Kerr Creesa. Mm-hmm. Which of these guys, Ethan, do you think will average the most minutes for WVU next season? That's tough. I, I would, I'm going to narrow it down. I'll give you, I'll give you a straight answer. I think it's Kirk Kreisha. Um, I think West Virginia staff put priority in getting Kreisha. I think he was a focal point in who to build around out of the new portal additions. Uh, Jose's done a great job at recruiting and helping the staff recruit. Um, I could see him get, receiving 30 plus minutes, but with Kerr sharing, sharing minutes with Joe Toussaint, like, both of those guys can be on the floor at the same time. They'll be able to work it out. If Katie Johnson and Joe Toussaint were able to work together on the floor at the same time offensively, I'm sure Kirk Kreisha and Toussaint will be able to work as well. So I'll go Kirk Kreisha. I think that's who they're – I really think that's who they're building around out of the portal guys. And true point guard, right? I mean, Joe Toussaint's a true point guard, but he can play off ball. Kreisha – and I guess he can play off ball too because he's a, he's a, he's a good three-point shooter. Um but it's interesting, dude, how much how much they have focused on these older guys, one and two seasons of eligibility remaining. Uh, Perez, I could see being in the guys that go to the preseason uh, Big 12 media things in Kansas City. Like, he, it's already taken that role. Um, so a little like Eric Stevenson. Here's my question. With the three guys that came in, all heralded, all you look at their stat lines and you can see their offensive numbers. Those guys have all hit a crazy number of threes in a game as kind of a career high. The coach is still Bob Huggins, right? And Bob Huggins is defense, offensive rebounding. The, when you look at the advanced stats, the defensive efficiency, it approved a little bit from last year. The big jump was in offense. And you see these pickups, Ethan, and it feels like offensive-minded guys – I know it's going to look different than what it looks like now than it will in October, but is this the, is this part of the change in focus is, is really gearing towards offense and Hey, let's coach up the defense or are they going to go back to the Huggins style of defensive identity and, and really focusing in on locking people down? Do you see them improving next year defensively? Cause on the surface, it seems like, they're really trying to get buckets and really focus on offense. Yeah, I think it's getting offensive guys and and hope hopefully and hoping that they develop their defense. Uh, Kirk Kreisha mentioned that he won't, he knows he's going to have to play defense under Bob Huggins, so he at least he's going to try. So I think I think the biggest weakness, like just on paper so far, with the guys they've got so far is there's no there's really no defensive guy or glue guy there's no like Gabo Savoyan or Akiti Johnson um I've heard Omar Savario I've, I've heard he can play defense so that's that's hope but I do think they need a guy in the middle that can like a Musa Cisse or Jesse Edwards who's visiting this weekend I think uh they could definitely use a guy in the paint that can be that intimidating factor and if you say that Ethan and they are able to get one of these 
be under the basket, guard the rim, protect the rim. Is there any hint? And people ask this every year, but is this leaning towards bunch of guards, rim protector? Are we are we leaning towards more pressing next year? I'm not going to say press Virginia, but is it going that way as far as a defensive identity? Or are they going to stick with the man-to-man, maybe full court every once in a while, and kind of keep the same strategy as they have the last couple of seasons? I think it stays the same. I don't think I don't think they're going to go too small. Um, I think they'll have Mitchell at the four again if he returns, uh, and that's and that's not necessarily small. Like that's also not big. So like Mitchell Mitchell size that's a traditional power forward size. So, but Mitchell also has that new age of like just basketball, like with any big where he can stretch the floor out at six nine and score at any level on the floor. So I. I think they'll play with I think they'll play with three guards, Mitchell as a forward, and then they'll have a true big at the five. Any news about Huggins' contract talk? I know he's got until what is it next month to to re up with Ren Baker and see if he wants to push another couple of years. Have you heard any news about contract talks with Huggins? Uh, no, not not numbers or not any extension itself. Um, positive is the word I can say. I think it's trending positive. I think I think something could get figured out by May 1st. Okay. Is that the date that we're looking at, May 1st? Yeah. Yep, to keep extending, May 1st. And what about Alex Ruoff? It seemed like he's talking about a younger vibe on the staff. Alex Ruoff was a big part of that this season, sat beside Coach Huggins. He was a grad assistant this year. Any news on his future with the program? No, I don't, I don't know what Alex is doing. Um, I hope... I hope for West Virginia's sake, he does stay. I mean, he did. He played a huge part. He developed Eric the entire year. And you saw how Eric took that leap from South Carolina and then basically being the number one option at WVU. Uh, Alex worked with him, at least at what I could see, pregame every, the entire 90 minutes before the game, he's working with Ruoff. So um, just another, again, another young face to have in the program. If you have Dermar Johnson, Alex Ruoff, that's that's a good start for former Hugs guys, at least. All right. I'm going to wrap up with some rapid fire, and we're going to play a game, uh, Ethan Bach. It's a brand new game for Unreasonable Doubt. The game is called Zero, One, or Two. So I'm going to give you a scenario, and you tell me, is it zero, is it one, or is it two? This is sweeping. This is going to sweep the nation. Seth Wilson and Kobe Johnson. How many of those two guys do you think will be on the roster next season? Zero, one, or two? If they land Caleb Grill, zero. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, it is a number. It's natural. It's just yeah. not, it's not, it's people are going to overreact. I know West Virginia. Like, it's not just West Virginia fans. Any fan of college basketball would overreact to seeing Seth Wilson or Kobe Johnson enter the portal. But I just don't – I think it's just natural. It's – they're in, like, I don't know how you can tell those guys for your third year if to ask them to come off the bench again. They're going to want to play more. And I think it's – I think it would just be – it would just be good for both parties, I think, just to, for both of those guys to get more playing time. I don't have any – uh, question about them seeing if it if it's a writing on the wall situation, then you look there after their first year, you see they go in, you know, the, the coaching staff goes in for Toussaint and Stevenson. It's like, all right, where's my playing time this year? Perez, Silverio, Creesa, all guards, Caleb Grill's coming to town. Like that is a 
for a guy who's coming in his third year in the program, it you're seeing the same thing happen of, you know, glass half full. These are guys that I'm going to compete with to try to get playing time glass half empty. They keep telling me, I hate to say this. They keep telling me that uh, they're looking to upgrade for me. And thus I need to do something. So I totally get that. It is a shock to the system of guys who come in as high school guys and are recruited and then watch, like, are told after their first season, essentially, uh, we got to do better than you. I mean, I, I, am I reading that wrong? No, it's it's exactly what's ha- it's what happens in every program. There's yeah, like I'm 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 actually I'm honestly shocked that West Virginia has only lost two players to the portal the entire offseason. Like you like just naturally thinking of all the young guys that they have on this roster, I. And then they bring in all these four or five year guys. It should have been natural for some of these young guys to want to leave. Of course, it totally. Because, I mean, you're, and you're seeing now they're sticking it out. So right, we'll yeah, we'll absolutely see. But Ethan Box says zero, another zero, one or two. Jimmy Bell and Trey Mitchell. How many of those two will be on next season's roster? Zero, one or two? I'll go two. Interesting. I'll go two. Um, I, I think, I don't, I don't think Trey, I don't think, I think Trey opts into his fifth year. That's just, that's, that's just a guess right now. Um, he's still weighing options. Um, and with Jimmy, I don't, I don't see why he, he would want to leave. I don't. So I, I think two. All right. So two there, zero, one or two number of swing men that will be added to this roster through the transfer portal this off season, zero, one or two. I'll go one. I'll I mean, it's Josiah. Yeah. And it's, let's give, let's say Sumnick, but he was playing four and five last year. I don't think they he ever played at three. They had him playing the five, I feel like, most of the year. So then you then you wonder, all right, is Perez or Silverio, are they going to take a, a – Hug is going to do a three-guard lineup or even like a Villanova style of three or four guards in there with a big guy – um, but Harris is the only three that I see on the, on the roster and the focus so far has been guards and big guys. So is that, is that what we're going to see is, is, is Josiah in that spot and then work around that? Yeah. I, I honestly think Jose doesn't, I think people's people have said that Jose will play the two. I think he plays the three. I think he's more, I think him and Kirk Kreisha and Joe Toussaint will be sharing the ball they'll be mostly the primary ball handlers. Um, You could definitely see guys like Savario play to three. Um, But yeah, I think Josiah, I think, I think Jojo is your really, your only true three on the roster next year. I could see them adding a three and D kind of guy, like a, or an athletic wing, like Emmett or Jalen, like that kind of, that kind of build um, six, seven guy. But no, I don't, I don't think, I think they, I think if they add that, it's just one guy. Yeah. All right. So we've we've have a zero. We have a one. We have a two. Zero, one or two. Number of recruiting classes in 2024 and 2025 that have a high schooler in them. Zero, one or two. I'll go two. I'll go two. I think I don't think I don't think the staff's going totally away from uh, recruiting high school, uh, especially after bringing Dermar Johnson in like. I mean, he's attacking the whole DMV area. He's a, he's offering all of these four or five star kids from the DMV area. So, 
I, I don't think they strike out on both of those classes. I think I think they find a way to keep bringing in high school guys, and they're gonna have they're gonna have to at some point. They can't. I don't think they can retool with the transfer portal every single off season. I'm I'm sure they can. I gave them I I just gave them a challenge right there. I'm sure they were able they're able to do it. They've done it the last two off seasons. But at some point, you got to also bring in either a freshman in from the portal or you got to bring in a high school kid. Like you I mean, got to have some youth and development. West Virginia's pitch may not change. I mean, Johnson goes in and it's a different guy recruiting, but the other guys recruiting that high schooler against West Virginia are going to say, look at their program and see how the freshmen have fared. Um, like yeah. That's going to be a tough sell. And I don't know, maybe Johnson's a guy to say, you're the different, you're different. You're different than the guys uh, in the last four years that haven't stuck around. Yeah, I I don't see the developing of three stars that that Hugs has done forever. It's it's it doesn't work anymore. You don't like, for example, like a Seth Wilson or Kobe Johnson. You just don't have time to develop to develop those guys for three, four, five years anymore. You don't because um, once once a certain amount of time hits, they're going to want to leave and hit the transfer portal. So you have to go after these four or five star high school kids who could almost go one and done. So I get it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it is a conundrum when you're trying to figure out the right mix and have, and have some continuity as well as success. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see how they do that and who comes in last zero, one or two question number of new big 12 schools that make the NCAA tournament next season. Zero, one, or two, and technically you could say three or four, but I, let's play the game zero, one, or two. One. And it's Houston, right? Yep, no doubt. The other three are going to have a tough time. I agree with Hugs, like, and it's nothing like all three of those programs are trying to build on something. Um, Cincinnati's got a couple transfers the, over the weekend. They're going to compete. It's not like those those schools won't go two and 16 in league play. They will have four, five, six wins. But at the same time, like adding Houston and keeping Texas and Oklahoma in the conference for like one more year, that that's insane. You have Kansas, Texas, Houston at the top, TCU, K State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, all in this little bubble. Add Iowa State in there. Like there's there's still like seven to eight tournament teams in this league, and we're not even these teams haven't even retooled in the portal yet. So. I think Houston has the best chance to make a smooth transition just because of how dominant they've been the last five years, but it is going to be a, a change for them. Like I would, I'll be interested to see how they handled that. Cause it, it is, there's no South Florida. There's no East Carolina. There's no, you're not getting a break in the schedule. Yeah, Houston added LJ Cryer, so he doesn't have they they already have a Big 12 player on their teams. They, Houston, Houston the last five years has played like a Big 12 team. They just have been in a different conference. They they have like Kelvin Sampson's done this perfectly. He has tall guards and he has small forwards or small bigs. It's perfect. He has athletic guys that can drive to the paint, kick it out, rebound. They rebound really well. Um their culture, their culture has been impressive to be able to maintain through the transfer portal era. So I think it will be smoothless for him. All right. Thank you for playing zero, one, and two. Uh, and thank you 
for getting us up to speed on what's going on in the portal, what's going on with WVU. It's always a pleasure. I hope you come back next year. Ethan Bach, thank you for joining me on Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Thank you, Josh. Always, like I said, always here to talk hoops every year. So just let me know. All right. Thanks. Are you on the Twitter? Unreasonable Doubt's on the Twitter. Find stuff about the podcast and other takes that aren't on the podcast on Twitter at I'm Josh Witt. I-M-J-O-S-H-W-H-I-T-T. Check it out. The Twitter. Big thanks to Ethan for joining me on the podcast. Superstar Ethan Bach. You can find him on Twitter at Ethan Bach underscore. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms. That hasn't changed. Apple Podcasts, still there. Spotify, still there. Overcast, I think I'm still there. YouTube, I think I'm still going to be there. <laughs> I'll keep you posted on that. It's a, it's a, actually YouTube? Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2022-2023 season. They had 19 wins and they had 15 losses. <laughs>